please don't ever do that again. <laughs> no, I. I had a request to do this, so I'm going to do it. I don't mind being told what to preach as long as you tell me scripture. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we're breaking right in the middle of this. But Paul is writing this to the church at Ephesus. The assembly at Ephesus. That's neither universal, nor is it invisible. It's highly visible. It was then. And it's very local. That's all there was. There weren't any invisible assemblies. There still isn't any Invisible assemblies anywhere. How would you know if it was assembled if it's invisible? <laughs> you couldn't prove it, could you? <laughs> All right. Now Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now, that's not a bad thing that he said. In Galatians, he said he was a Bond slave of the Lord. That's what servant means. Doulos, slave. But he was a willing slave. And he's a willing prisoner of the Lord. He's not going anywhere. He's going to follow the Lord until he follows him right out of his life. And that's what he did. I beseech you, and that's the language of grace. It's not a command. He's not trying to be a, a pope or a dictator. I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. A vacation where you take a break doing something different. A vocation is a job. He says we must walk worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called. Now who is the caller? God the Holy Spirit. And what is the calling? It is to be a disciple, a follower, a learner of Jesus Christ. Holding forth the word of life. And how do we do this? Walking worthy of it with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now this is what we must do as church members. Now let me tell you, we also must do it at home. Husbands and wives, children, parents, in that home. And anybody in that home, if you're ahead of that house, you ought not to let anybody live there that doesn't walk like that. Amen. I don't have a right as head of my house to allow somebody to live in my house that goes directly against what the Lord tells me. I don't have a right to, well, uh, they're mine. No, 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 they're the devil's. They're not yours. So this is how our lives must go. I mean, every single one of us. We walk with lowliness and meekness. That doesn't sound like walking in pride. Allow me it, buddy. No, that's not lowliness. 
And that's not meekness. Nor is that suffering long. I ain't putting up this no more. That's not long suffering. Forbearing one another in love. My goodness. <laughs> uh, I don't think lost people are really capable of all that. I really don't. But I believe a saved person is capable and must be practicing that. Endeavoring. Now what does endeavor mean? Getting hard after it. And I always like my illustration of endeavoring. I used to, oh, I don't know what, two or three times I went with George Warford. At one time he was a deacon at Marathor. Good man, he's dead now. But he was a hard worker. But he loved his beagle hounds. And he was good at it. He raised champion beagle hounds. And he had one of them that was named New View June. That was, that was her name on her AKC registration. New View June. And she was a rabbit hound. Now, I'm not going to use the language that they used about a female beagle. But they said that has sure got a mouth on her. <laughs> and he wasn't talking about his wife. He was talking about his dog. And she was a champion dog. I don't, she was worth several thousand dollars. And I'm telling you, we went, go down to Spears, turn left like you're going to the river, and then go back to the right by the side of that little grocery store there. It's not even open now. I think they're about getting ready to open again. And go on down that road, and there was somebody's farm down there that they allowed him to come and hunt rabbits. Well, of course, he had his shotgun. I didn't have one. I just went along with it. And we'd stand up on this hill, and there's all fenced around there. And it's bottom-like, and it went up a hill full of briars, all the weeds. You know, we're talking about November, whenever rabbit season is. Middle of late November, wasn't it? Something about like that. And there he turns Neview June loose. And it don't take her any long, but long at all. Bob jumps a rabbit. And here she is. She takes off after that rabbit. Now, we're watching, looking down on all this. Big field, I guess maybe a, at least a five-acre field fenced in there. And there's that rabbit running all around that fence. Lickety-split. I mean, that rabbit could run. New View June wasn't running. All she was doing... And every time she'd bark, howl, that rabbit take two more steps faster. Until finally, the rabbit couldn't run anymore. Because that rabbit just kept running around that field. And there was New View June. She never, she never, I don't think she even tried it. She just stayed right after it. Hard after it. Next thing you know, there's that rabbit. Boom. It's in George's pouch. <laughs> well, I was just impressed by that. That, that hound dog did not rush. But he just stayed on, or she just stayed on the trail. And I think that's what endeavor means right here. That we must Stay on the trail of unity in order to keep it. 
I've heard pastors say, oh, I've got to get my church and I've got to get them in unity. Well, if you do, you don't have the Lord's church. He didn't say for pastors to get that church in unity. He said for what we all must do is to endeavor to keep it. If the Lord's there, it's already there. In the bond of peace. And it is peace, not chaos, that wells it together. Now here we get into one. One is the name, is the figure right here. There's one body. Now first see we got the, the unity, that's one. There's one body. That doesn't mean some universal invisible body. This church is one body. And one spirit. That is the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the triune Godhead. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. Everything's one here. One Lord. One faith. That means the doctrines of the faith. One system of doctrine. One baptism. And which baptism could that be? Most preachers of preachers never ask the question or give the answer of which baptism is it? If there's one baptism, which baptism is it? And those that do say it's the baptism of the Spirit doesn't say that. He's talking about water baptism. One kind of baptism that came from John the Baptist. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. It's all one. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We're not all the same. We have different backgrounds. We have different levels of education, different types of education. If someone is an architect, his his or her training has been in architecture. That doesn't make them an expert on the Bible. However, most people seem to give in to that, that if somebody's got got letters on the end of their name, they know a lot more about the Bible than you do. I don't accept that from anybody. Even if they've got a THD behind their name. I don't, we don't need somebody telling us what the Bible says. We've got a brain. We've got the Holy Spirit. Now, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now who ascended upon high? Descend means come down. Ascend means you go up. Now who ascended? Jesus Christ. Forty days after the resurrection. And as he ascended. He led captivity captive. Now I know Dr. Hall Jaws and some of his brothers, they, they just say, oh, well, uh, we don't believe that there was any place like that and, and anybody, anybody let, came out of there when Jesus uh, ascended. He led captivity captive. And who were they? I'm pretty sure that they're all of those that were in the place of departed spirits until the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which would be, as I read this morning in Luke the 16, why was, how was, was uh, the rich man talking to Abraham? There was a great gulf between them, between them and between here, that you can't go over like that. 
In John, didn't uh, Jesus say that Abraham was glad to see my day? Remember that? And I think he was. Because we know Abraham was a saved man. He's the father of the faith. He was a Gentile that God saved and adopted him and made him a spiritual Jew. Just like he did me. Abraham was not a natural born Jew. He was a natural born Gentile. A lot of Jews don't like to hear that. I've told some of them that. But. Where had Abraham's spirit been since his body was put in the cave of Machpelah? 175 years after he was born. His body was in that cave and the dust, I guess, from it. But his spirit had been in the part of Hades or Hades where he was comforted or possibly called paradise. But when Jesus Christ ascended upon high, he led captivity captive. I mean, they, they were captive. They went with him. They wouldn't have gone anyplace else. Now, some's all oh, that's just not true. That's not true. How do you know? What's it say? Tell me what that says then. Anyway, not that they'd been in torment. The, the rich man was in torment because he was in the place of torment. But they weren't. But now when Jesus Christ resurrected and ascended, he emptied up. That place of departed spirits. Now, the only place that's there in the world of unseen world of the dead is the place of torment, which we call hell or Hades. And they'll be there until the white throne judgment when death and hell shall give up everything that's in them. Anyway, so... uh, He that descended, verse 10, is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens. Let's talk about that a second. Far above all heavens. Look over first uh, second Corinthians twelve real quick. Paul says, uh, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one called up to the third heaven. Now, Paul says over here that Jesus Christ ascended up Far above. Well, just how far could it be above? See, we don't we don't know how far it is out there. There ain't no telescopes that can tell us. Web webs or Hubbles. They just can't tell us, and you can't get a rocket ship out there that can tell us how far you'd have to be to be far above. All heavens. (laughs) See? You think there's not some science in here? Well, there's science science statements that nobody knows what in the world is talking about. Anyway, 
that he might feel all things. Who, just exactly who is he that ascended up? He's God manifest in the flesh. That's who he is. And he gave some, talking about gifts, he said he, he gave gifts unto men back in verse 8. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now we have no more apostles and we have no more prophets. We do have evangelists and pastor teachers. But what about the apostles and prophets? Well, they're not a lost case. We have all of the prophets' ministry that God wants us to have. If they were here in the flesh, they couldn't give us another word. And we have all of the apostles' ministry that God wants us to have. If they were here in the flesh, they couldn't tell us another thing than what we've got. It's not God's will for us to know anything more than what we've got. So in that context, we have the completed revelation of God. Doesn't tell us everything. Never said it did. It tells us everything God wants us to have. And the rest of it, we'll just have to wait. So, well, I want a question. You're an idiot. Your question is something you'll never find out about. Anyway, he said, the purpose of these offices, gifts, even when we had apostles and prophets, evangelists, an evangelist is a gospelizer. If you'll notice in Timothy, Paul said for pastors to do the work of an evangelist. An evangelist is a gospelizer, one that preaches the gospel. That's what an evangelist is. He's not one that's got a big name and a big reputation, and he gets a lot of, uh, uh, of uh, results. And he takes a lot of money. I mean, that's what, that's what it's reduced to. Anyway. They're all for the purpose of perfecting, maturing the saints of God. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I wouldn't have somebody come in here and preach just because they can stir up a lot of something. Whatever we have here, it's for this body of Christ to grow up in the Lord, in His Word. Now that doesn't get you very far in this world because that ain't what's popular. But it's what God says. And that is verse 13, till we all come in, there it is again. The unity of the faith. Now I know he's not talking about anybody but a church, an individual church. There ain't no way in the world we'll ever be in the unity of the faith with everybody in the world. Are there those that we are in agreement with? Sure. But they're in their domain and we are in ours. But as far as getting everybody together, oh no, it'll never happen, not in this world. In the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a teleo man, mature man. Oh, how we know that? Well, that is unto the measure, and look here, measure. Yeah, this way, that measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Reckon we'll ever get done with this job? <laughs> that's, that's our measure, the fullness of Christ. We've got a lot of work to do, ain't we? But that all is going that direction that we 
Henceforth, from now on, be no more babies, children, that's babies, tossed to and fro. Well, look at babies. I know they're babies. And you ever see a baby? You mothers, you know what I'm talking about. He wants this. You give that. Now nah, I want this. Now nah, I want that. Never happy. I always want something else. Is that the way it is? Well, it ain't just babies. It's full-grown adults that haven't matured in the Lord that are tossed to and fro, to and fro, going towards and back and this and that and this and that and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Well, Brother God, what are you about so-and-so? He's teaching this now. You know, I... I am not an expert on what all of these jokers are teaching. I'm not. I don't have time to read after them and to clot up my mind with their stuff. So you think you know everything? No, I don't think I know everything. I just know what the Word of God says. I'm doctrinally sound. And I don't care what Joe Biden has to say or anybody else. Well, Joe, Brother So-and-so says this. Well, let's see, I know what the Bible says. I don't care what he says. That's not my standard. My, my standard, my measure is the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's my measure. Well, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the now you see it, now you don't. Slight of hand. Slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Somebody loaned me a book one time, wanted me to read it. And it was the history of the Seventh-day Baptist. You ever heard of them? There's not a lot of them, but there's some around. Well, I honestly don't have time just to do indiscriminate reading like that. If I'm going to read, I'm going to read something, I'm going to get something out of it. But I did open up that book, and I started in the introduction. And the author of it said, well, in so many words, he said the reason that we're Seventh-day Baptists is we just decided we was going to do it our way. Here's your book back. Why should I waste my time reading any of that rot gut that you'll have in that book telling me what you decided to do? Certainly nothing you can teach me. Jesus said they teach them for doctrine commandments of men. And I'm not interested in commandments of men. All right, so. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Somebody says, hey, see, you got to do it in love. Yes, but don't forget, you got to speak the truth too. You got a two-edged sword there. Speak the truth in love. And Paul said in another place, Colossians, I believe, that we must let our speech be seasoned uh, with grace, with salt, grace, that we may know how to answer every man. And I understand that. 
But you know there comes a time when you can just not very easily tell somebody the truth. You can do it as easily as you can possibly think of. Consider with all of the soft words that you want to. And you may end up talking like John the Baptist or Jesus. And what did he say about those Pharisees? He said, oh, you generation of vipers. Your snakes and your mamas and daddies and your granddaddies and grandmamas were snakes. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath of God that is to come? Y'all bring some evidence that you've repented and then I'll baptize you, but not until. Because I've seen you, I've watched you, and you've got no evidence that you've repented. And you're acting like the snakes that you are. Jesus said, Ye are of your father, the devil. How, just how sweetly can you tell somebody that? Not very sweetly. Do it the best you can. I agree with that. Anyway, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, the head of his body. There's a body and there's a head. A, head, a body's got a head. And he's a head. And it's from the head from whom the whole body fitly joined together. Amen. Paul Kirkman said not joined together to have fits. Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, I don't know if you remember or not, we've watched some of those uh, DVDs from uh, Dr. Minton at the Creation Museum, who's now with the Lord. And he explained, not to my complete understanding, but he, he gave it to us. When the body grows, everything's got to grow with it. Do you know what, what bones don't grow with your body? Your ear bones. They're the same size when you're born as when you die. Can you imagine your ear bones growing? They need to be the size that they are. They don't need to be bigger. They just need to work. Some mind don't work. But that's, that's depraved body and sin and old age. But you, you realize your bones have got to Grow with you. Your skin has to grow. Your joints have to grow. That's a big process. And they want us to believe that it just all happens by itself. But he makes this comparison to the church that we are connected to one another. Dr. Minton said his doctor's degree is in, in the histology is what he says, honey. Histology, and that's connected to cytology and organology and all of that. Cells and your organs and your skin. Uh, I think it's in Colossians, isn't it? That it says knit together. Look, Colossians. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Well, they're, they're knit together in love, that, but that's not the one I wanted. Uh, he talks about the same kind of thing here, about us growing together. Uh, 
Anyway, he uses the word knit. Chapter 2, all right. And not holding the head from which the all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. And so it's just he's making the comparison, because it is a real comparison, that as your the head supplies everything. And it comes to the whole body, and the body grows together, and it's knit together. Like knitting, knitting. It, it's, and your skin is like it's knit together. Dr. Menton does a tremendous job of that, telling us about all that. But Paul, how did Paul know all this? Oh, three, three years in Arabian Desert with, with the Creator? <laughs> That'd do it, wouldn't it? Anyway, so as the church grows, we grow together. Amen. He says, Now, verse 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth, from here now, walk not as other heathen, Gentiles, walk in the emptiness of their mind. That's unsaved people. Their minds are pretty much empty. Not saying they don't know anything. They know their jobs. They know the things that some things that have uh, necessary for them to live. But they don't know the things of the Spirit of God. Having the understanding darkened. Being alienated. You ever about the little boy that asked him, do you believe in spaceships? He said, of course. He said, why? He said, how else do you think aliens could get here? He believed there were aliens. And they had to come by alien spaceships. <laughs> but being alienated means that you cut off from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. And I always like to say here that this ignorance is not an acquired ignorance. You didn't, you didn't grow into this ignorance. It was already in you. You know why? Because depravity is in you. Because of the blindness of their heart. Ignorant. Blind. Who being past feeling. That's all an alienated man. Have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. Listen to what they talk about. But you have not so learned Christ. We haven't learned Christ that way. If so be that you've heard him. And have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. These are saved people. How have you learned Christ? He said come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Learn of me for my yoke is light and easy to bear. That you put off concerning the former conduct, which includes your talk, but it's conduct. The old man, ladies, you can call her the old woman if you want to. But the old man is talking about the old nature. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And that's all of them. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now that spirit is a small s. In the spirit of your mind. Be renewed there. You're a child of God. You've been born again. Now, as Paul said in Romans, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto the flesh. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. No longer think, I'm one of them. No, I'm one of them. I'm one of God's children. I'm not one of this world's children. Think of yourself like that. There's a key to a whole lot of problems. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
and that you put on the new man. That's in your ability. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Charles Spurgeon had a great message on that. The literalness of that would be read created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Law keeping. Brethren, law keeping. That's what God did when he born you again. By his sovereign grace, he created in you a man of law keeping. And that you put on the new man that got you. Verse 25, wherefore, being in view of all these things, putting away lying. Put it away. Kids, don't be lying. You don't have to. Adults, don't be lying. You're supposed to put it away. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. That would be church members also. Be church members, be at home, be all around. Be ye angry. There's nothing wrong with anger. Anger is a legitimate emotion of the human psyche. Scientology. That's what. What's his name? The dancer. The supposed to got his start down at Danville that theater. What's his name? John Travolta. He is a proponent of Scientology. I have delved into Scientology from the standpoint of disproving it. Scientology is a diabolical way to wipe you out of your mind. And they take a lot of money from you. You're supposed to be able to register on this machine. A clear, that means that you have no emotion about anything. There's nothing wrong with our emotions. They're part of us. We just must control them. Be ye angry and sin not. How often does the sun go down? Whether you can see it or not, it goes down every night. We like to watch it in Florida and watch the sun just sink down into the ocean. You expect to see a gigantic burst of steam, but it doesn't really go down the ocean. It just looks like it. But we like looking at that, don't we, honey? Every night the sun goes down. All of your angry anger, your ire, is to be settled before the sun goes down. Amen? Amen. That's what the book says. Neither give place to the devil. If you don't let the sun go down on your wrath, in other words, you're done with it when the sun goes down, it's, it's history, then you may as well get up and go sit in that chair because the devil's laying right where you are. You're giving place to the devil. So all the devil is, well, you gave it to him. Now verse 28, let him that stole steal no more. Lying, cheating, stealing, those are not things that a child of God does. You shouldn't need the law of the land to tell you not to, not to pilfer, not to shoplift. Amen? But rather let him labor. Every child of God ought to be working, making money, working with his hands the thing which is good. Say, well, I'm on retirement or I don't need it. Well, 
if for no other reason that ye may have to give to him that needeth. You don't get miserly in your old age. You don't get miserly because you're a child of God. You get like the old brother Baker. Black brother preached out here on a Saturday one time and having a preacher's fellowship. And he's in a big way of preaching. He said, I know lots of these people said when they go get baptized, they're holding that billfold up out of the water. They don't want that billfold to go under that water because they're going to get stingy with their money. Giving to those that have need, that's, that's second nature to us now that we're saved. We're not, we're not skin blints. We're not misers. We don't become niggardly in our giving. That is a legitimate word. Get your dictionary and look it up. Has nothing to do with race. And then he says, let no corrupt communication. Well, corrupt communication would be that which, which uh, uh, deteriorates. You get on these tanker trucks. If you know the symbols on the hazardous, you know, what do you call them, license? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. If it's acids, I mean, they could call uh, muriatic acid. They could haul hydrochloric acid. Things that it'll eat up anything it gets to. In my opinion, that corrupt communication would be like that. The words coming out of your mouth ought not to be corrupt. But what? But that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace Unto the hearers. You get upset with somebody. You get upset with situations. Don't talk to me now. I ain't fit to talk to nobody. I ain't talk to nobody. That's not a child of God. That's one under the leadership of Satan. You got to have more control. Isn't that what this has been teaching us here? Control. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Much of my early life, I would hear preachers be in a revival meeting or something. And the preacher would say, Oh, we're coming to the most important part of the service. Anybody ever heard that? Meaning that I'm done preaching, we're done singing. Now we're going to give the invitation. And that's the most important part of the service. And I don't want anybody talking or moving around or getting up and going out. Because then you'll be grieving the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit won't be bringing somebody to the Lord down here. Well, I know. Have you ever heard that, brother? You ever heard that? Have y'all ever heard that? And there's a bunch, there's more of them that do it than don't do it. Grieving the Holy Spirit is going against exactly what we just got done talking about. Whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, let all bitterness Paul talks about that in Hebrews. That bitterness that can destroy you. Bitter against this, bitter against that. I'm, I, I, I am very upset with the line coming out of Washington, Frankfurt, probably downtown. Yeah. But I can't do anything about it except what I do. I vote against it. I've got no right to get bitter. And let my bitterness destroy somebody I love or people that I love 
and I'm trying and I'm supposed to be influencing them with love. Let all wrath, let all anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Let all malice be put away too. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. Let all of these be put away from you. Do you have the power to do that? If you're saved, you do. You have the Spirit of God in you who has made you a partaker of the divine nature. And we are able to control those things. But you got to do it. And be you kind one to another. Sometimes I'm not sure husbands and wives are kind one to another. That's the very least a husband and wife can do. Be kind to one another. Brothers and sisters, be kind one to another. How many of you are not kind to your brother or sister? Be kind to your mother, your daddy. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. And I like to concentrate on that one another. Alleluus. In the Greek. Reciprocal forgiveness. I've talked to some women saying, my husband needs to, he needs to, he needs to confess and Ask my forgiveness. I said, do you need to get his? No. He's got a problem. You're the problem. That's forgiving one another. You think you don't have anything to be forgiven about? You got, a, you got another thing coming. That's forgiving one another. And that's all based on this. God has not forgiven us because we ask him. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. May the Lord bless his reading.